Since 1991, Caballero Pools and Spas has been dedicated to creating an outdoor living space that will provide endless hours of fun and entertainment for your entire family. They specialize in offering excellent service and delivering top quality craftsmanship at a reasonable price. They will transform your yard into something unique and distinctive, a customized masterpiece that reflects your individual preferences. Their experience will ensure that your new backyard is something you will be proud of for years to come. Whether it's a minor project or a large master plan, Caballero Pools and Spas will help you get there. Check them out at cabpools.com or reach them at mark at cabpools.com or call 714-309-2890. Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pack, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Just live. We believe a life is meant to be lived to its fullest potential. In order to do that, you need to feel at your best, both physically and mentally. We founded this community to share what we found as professional athletes that can help people of all walks of life. So, you can go out and do exactly what you're supposed to do. Just live. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. God, that sounds like the beginning of a sermon or something like that. Hey, our guest... It kind of is, bro. Yeah, our guest this week is a punk rocker and adrenaline junkie. He has passions like boxing and jiu-jitsu, motorcycle riding and racing, surfing and shaping. This musician and entrepreneur has been turning passions into businesses time and time again. Fuck it. From gym owner to co-founder of Moto Triple X. And what? recent, starting a surfboard label, Pickle Stick. Yeah. What? You did your fucking homework. Hey, this on. guy likes to hustle That's and stay busy. His punk band has been cranking out music for close to 40 years. Holy shit. <laughs> just released another album, another record, double album. Is that the name? Double yeah, album? we had one that came out like a year ago called Single, uh-huh. and then this is the backup to it, so it's called Double. I love it. Well, we welcome one of the most successful legendary punk bands of all time, No FX, and the badass drummer, Eric Smelly Sandin. Woo! Hey, Smelly! Hi, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just kidding. Fish sticks. Passant twig, we say it. Passant twig? We call it sicky fingers. <laughs> oh boy! No, uh, thanks. Welcome to the show, man. Dude, ah. Thank you for having me. Like I said, I've I've known about the podcast for a couple of years. I've seen the van at Cliffs when I surf. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then here I am. You don't see it too often, though. I've seen it enough. I've seen it enough to where where it catches my attention. A little fucking microphone on the side. Yeah, and, yeah, um, that's our logo, man. 
I want to give a shout out to Beer Savage. Yeah. Tyler. Yeah. I don't know how to say his last name. Borschnik, but Borschnik or some fucking. Anyways, Beer Savage. Yeah, they hooked he's, it up. He's the awesome. one that hooked this interview up. Yeah, he's thank super, you. Super cool guy, and he he's actually helped me out helped me out some, and and this is helping me out as well. You yeah. Know? So thank we're, you. Yeah, yeah, we're here to talk your story and promote and have some good times. Let's party. Like I'm it. sure, like thousands, millions of people, surfers around the world, know exactly who No Effects is. Fuck yeah. It's pretty crazy. I'm not going to say millions. I'm going to say dozens. <laughs> no, billions, dude. Because millions have watched oh, man. all the surf videos. Yeah, dude, Taylor, Taylor Steele. Yeah, he, he put that shit on the map. Fuck For, yeah. He put our us and Pennywise into the surfing world. Yeah. You know? And then I really knew it was true that, like, a couple years later, we were playing uh, Australia, and there's Aki on the side of the stage watching us play. So cool. I bet you fucking two years earlier, he didn't know who we were. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, it was like... Fuck, dude. Yeah. You know, so yeah, t- Taylor really... I mean, yeah. what, a, what a great way to promote, like, music through, you know, through, through surfing. surfing. Like, yeah. I mean, there's songs, and I could just see who's... Sur- I could just picture, yeah. picture, like, that scene and that surfer yeah. and that segment. And I think we played one or two of his premieres, too, at the Palace in Hollywood. Nice. I think so. Can yeah. Be, yeah. Can he, yeah. They did a big tour every time they released a movie. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning, Smelly. First, how did you get smelly? Well, you know what? <laughs> Acid, venereal disease, and beer makes for a fucking really bad combination for farts. <laughs> yep. I'm going to be truthful here. Yeah. Whoa. Acid? Yep. Venereal disease? Yeah, a little VD never hurt nobody. <laughs> well, I should take that back. I hurt a lot of people. <laughs> uh, booze and- yeah, here's the story. I was on tour in 19, I would say, 88, something like that. I used to party a lot. A lot of drinking, a lot of drugs, a lot of acid. And I was on tour for a couple months. The band wasn't much of a band. I mean, we would just go out in the summer and just play parties. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, I contracted a little case of VD. Uh And I'm coming home to my girlfriend in a week. She's not the one that gave it to me. <laughs> it's going to be a really fucking hard thing to explain. Babe, I'm in the band. <laughs> That's not going to fly. Uh, so I had known from other cases of VD in the past that tetracycline will wipe it out of your system. Oh. When I was a kid, I had fish tanks. How do you spell tetracycline? Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know how do you spell VD. That's, a, that's hard. Yeah. So I knew when I was a kid, I had fish tanks. And when a fish tank gets sick, you put tetracycline in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I went to a fish store instead of going to the doctor this time. And I bought tetracycline off the shelf. (laughs) Ate a bunch of tetracycline, downed it with a bunch of beer, still taking acid and stuff like that. It led to some hellacious body odors. Wow. Hence the name Smelly 45 years, 40 years later. Here I am. Yeah. That is amazing. And, but I didn't get caught for the for, for, it got rid of the VD so I was all good tetracycline that's <laughs> incredible kids if you're listening it's a real true story what you just told us is how you got the name smelly mm-hmm. from acid hey we, we, we love your candidness and your, your, your just honesty right here like this is insane but, all right let's go I back mean, to the beginning I'm sure there's a few few of our listeners that'd be like I've been there, done that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I might be the only, I mean, probably not, but I would say there's a dozen people in the United States that have bought tetracycline off the fucking fish store. Out of the fish store to cure oh, uh, yeah. gonorrhea. I mean, yeah. You know? No. 
That's hilarious. Yeah, so here we are. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> so where did you grow up? Yeah. I grew up in Glendale. Okay. Right above downtown LA. Uh, you know, small working, like my dad was a plumber. We didn't have much money. Just, you know, blue collar family, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Not, you know, it wasn't the best environments. Kind of a abusive household. Alcoholism. Uh, and punk rock was my escape when I discovered it. You know, it gave me an outlet. It gave me a sense of purpose and all that kind of shit. Nice. Were you were you uh, growing up just playing organized sports? Were you a skateboarder or just Dude, musician? There was a skate park directly across the street from my house. Like I could fucking throw a rock and hit it. Nice. But no, my parents wouldn't let me skate it. Why? I, I don't know. I don't that because they, they would have to buy me a skateboard. I don't think they had the money for that. I'd have to get the pads, all this shit. It was fucking torturous. Watching all your friends after school go and skate. It was called the Boogie Bowl. Boogie Bowl. Yeah, it was in the late seventies. I, I just figured it would probably be because a bunch of older shenanigans go down around the skate. No, park, because you know? my parents were really young when they had me. You know, my mom was eighteen. Yeah. You know, and you know, I I, I just don't know. It was a weird thing. Mm. So, but but. Yes, skating was part of my life. It was like the Southern California lifestyle. The surf, the skate, the yeah. motorcycles, like, you know, all the shit. I had the feathered 70s hairdo, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had the fe feathered 70s. It was just part of the Southern California subculture. Yeah. You know? So your your parents, lower, lower class, not lower class. No, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It, did your mom work or? Yeah, she was a secretary. Okay. And my dad was a plumber, you know, and, and. But it was hard to make ends meet? Just scraping by. Yeah. Yeah, just scrape, scraping by. And you know? they couldn't afford to like put you in sports or. I played soccer for quite a while. Okay. So that was one sport they allowed me to play. I played soccer for quite a while and I was pretty good at it. But um, yeah, I just didn't have a lot of support. Like I was really into motorcycles. I was really into skating. I was really, in, I mean, not that I was surfing then. But, yeah. But that was something like, you know, I would go and steal magazines to look at the pictures, you know. I There was no support. There was no like, hey, this is something you want to explore? Let's go explore it. There was none. Did you have zero. any siblings? Yeah, I got a little sister and a brother. Okay. Yeah. There was none of that. Yeah. So I was just kind of left to my own devices. Like if I wanted a new bicycle, which I never, ever, ever got a new bicycle, I would have to go like, hey, bud, you got a wheel I could use? You got this? And I would piece together shit from, yeah. from out of trash kind of. Okay. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, bikes aren't, you know, even skateboards aren't, like, no. high-ticket items. It's kind of pretty, like, every family's got them. But it does. Even back then, though, a good skateboard setup is going to be a hundred and something bucks. I don't know. In, in 1976? Yeah, maybe. 80 bucks? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But that's a lot of fucking money back then. Yeah. It just, it, it's. Plus three kids. I mean, that's a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that was it. I just think that they just. Just my dad grew up in a really shitty situation, and I don't think he knew what support was. You yeah. know, so it was just like, ah, fuck, you don't need that. Just toughen up, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, that kind of shit. So whatever. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'm not here to bitch. No, but, well, but, but it's it's just interesting. I'm like, you know, when you hear about like those early days, you know. Well, like, that might be why I have dove, dove, dived, dove, whatever, so hard into my passions in my later years when I could afford this stuff because when I was a kid, yeah, all this shit I would. Like, the neighbors would have motorcycles. And it's not about what they have that that I was jealous about. It was it was 
that hurt. It was the support that they got from their family, mm. right? That speaks yeah. volumes. Yeah. So, so when I got older though and started making a living, it's like I went balls deep into motorcycles, balls deep into skating, balls deep into, into surfing, you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff because I was just making up for that. So when did you finally get yourself a skateboarder? I would I would get um, I actually worked in a wood shop in a, at twelve years old. I worked at a wood factory uh, cabinet, cabinet factory, and I built myself a deck. I built myself a mahogany deck and built a little like you know angle for for the for the kick pad. Yeah, and uh, pieced together some old trucks from the neighborhood. There was that. That was the first one, and then I bought a shitty Logan. It was a Logan Earth ski. No. It was a shitty, like one of those plastic ones, you know, yeah. like, you know, just, buy, but, you know, everybody else had these fucking bitching, beautiful, like, you know, like the dog tails and all that shit. Yeah. Color graphics. Yeah. Lines, yeah. yeah. And, and I was just like on this little thing put together on that first board that, that one I built, I put a, a, a cat food lid can lit, lit, you know, what you take off of the thing yeah. across the back of the tail. So when, when I would turn. Spark. spark. That and but but so it wouldn't go through the woods to, to preserve it, you know, because it was like fuck. It's this. like a custom skid plate. Yeah, yeah, I gotta. You're 12 what? years old. You make your own skateboard. Yeah, you put. <laughs> I used to fucking make rail grabs out of wood, and take it to that to that skate park and sell them for like a buck fifty for the rail grab. I mean, no way. yeah, and the people would just screw them up. But they're out of wood. They wouldn't last very long. But yeah, yeah. yeah it's Did a good you idea. Yeah. Finally, get to skate that place. Never. It closed. I never skated it. It it was open for like five years, maybe. It closed when I was in seventh or eighth grade, and I rode my bicycle in it. You wow! Know, was what it. was it? A couple of hips? Was there just like a bowl? No, there was one, two, like three bowls. But it was like seventy style. There was no coping. It was rounded in. Yeah, a snake run. It was pretty small, but it was a legitimate skate park. Yeah, you know, legitimate boogie bowl. The boogie bowl. That's funny. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, you were into BMXs? Yeah, I was into BMX and the same thing though. Like I would just ride bikes that people were like, "Hey, my parents got me a new bike. You can ride this one." Kind of a deal or That's whatever. Cool. Yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, it's just you know, I was a Southern California kid. I really enjoyed, really, yeah. That that stuff just really resonated with me. Yeah, the BMX, the skating, all of it. You know. Yeah, I remember. Like I never got into BMX, but there's was kids. Oh, that, yeah. That we're into it. And I remember uh, FMF, <clears throat> FMF. Yeah. Yeah. Like, those were the best fucking well, FMF GT, like, Diamondback. G- yeah. yeah. Then Mongoose start. Mongoose. Mongoose was, like, the first one that, like, really put it on the map. Yeah. yeah. But there was, G- like, GT, Diamondback. There was, like, the PK Rippers. And yeah. Then yeah. There was all... And the, S- the grips SMW were whatever. insane. Yeah. All of it. The Oakley, I think, started making grips. Dude, first, I was right? a kid. I would, like, get, like, the BMX Plus magazine and just look at every picture and just dissect. Yeah. Like, oh, those wheels are anodized and those, those, those pedals have little nubs on. You know, yeah. just... just dissect everything yeah because i bring up fmf because i i I used to think man what does fmf stand for fast motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) flying what was it flying machine factory or something like that i don't know but i kept saying fast motherfucker yeah that works too it probably was yeah we we grew up here in huntington or i did sorry this guy didn't but 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 there was a there was a ton of Undeveloped fields and, and that's what everybody did. You'd grab a shovel, you'd be seeing a pack of kids with shovels, and you'd be go build your own park. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, Sheep Hills, and there's some other good spots for sure. But yeah. Sheep Hills is still there. I just yeah, walked, I walked yeah. through it recently. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, how old were you when you finally got to surf? 
Well, when um, we or would boogie board, or yeah, I would boogie board. Like I saved. This is one of the biggest fights I ever had. Like I saved up like thirty bucks, thirty five bucks from doing like chores and jobs and shit like that. Uh, I would say it was nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go buy a boogie board." Because we would go to the beach occasionally, or some kids in the neighborhood occasionally. Plus, I just wanted it, you know, that Southern California thing. So my dad was like, no, you are not allowed to buy a boogie board. And I'm like, it's my own money. You're not going to, you know, it was like yeah. this huge fight. My mom actually stuck up for me. And it's like, let him just fucking go get his whatever he wants. So anyways, I got that boogie board and I started boogie boarding. Like, you know, like eight times a year or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. But it got in my blood. Like it got like feeling the waves, feeling it. And one thing we would do is that was good in the family is we would go to Hawaii pretty much every winter. Because nice. my dad's brother lived out there. And so I <clears throat> took a boogie board with me. Yes. And I actually like started like, you know, charging shit. Like used to do the YMAS shore pound, just poof, you know. They lived up on the hill. Uh, yeah. And I actually paddled out a pipe. <laughs> but on a surfboard when I was sixteen, not knowing how to really surf. Oh my god. <laughs> I still got the strong a little bit of a scar on my stomach. <laughs> my cousins who who like, let's go surf. Like, okay, let's go surf, you know, there's yeah. your surfboard. And they could surf. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Taking you? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, like, it, it might have been, <laughs> it might have been only, I mean, I don't remember. It might have only been a couple feet overhead. Yeah, but a, still. Or it could have been fucking, I don't know. It was before there was, in, there was only a couple of houses there. There was the bushes. There was no bike path, nothing. Wow. And uh, I remember just going, what the fuck am I doing out here? And I got sucked over with one. Done. Done. But your cousins grew up there. Yeah. And, and surfed. All their lives, hey, but not all their are, lives, but they, they were they you know they grew up there they you know yeah I mean yeah. you know they, they don't serve now or nothing but, but I mean, you guys got to go there oh I was there in the seventies and in the eighty that's killer late seventies and early eighties yeah and what was the boogie board that you bought you remember it was a Mori boogie nice yeah did you get a leash with it fuck yeah and I even put the fins and popped the fins in the back and you <laughs> poke the holes through yeah. the handle the fins I mean we were yeah. talking about like boards skateboards on all the accessories yeah same yeah. thing with the boogie yeah like there was no spins it was just you wanted did you did and, you start on a boogie of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you just yeah. wanted to go down the line yeah yes I mean short break barrel riding was kind of like you know that was it yeah would you steal the, the you're talking about magazines would you steal action now fuck yeah remember that was a little bit of everything <laughs> get the motorcycles you get the, the <clears throat> yeah the surfing all that stuff yeah, yeah. action now is like kind of like the first avant-garde sort of it was action good. sports magazine yeah and right. break do you remember breaker out uh -uh. or breakout magazine uh -uh. that was like a full legit surf magazine I don't remember that one and uh the guy that started it is a friend of ours, mm. George. God, now I forget his last name. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, I mean the magazine. Like you go to the supermarket or or Seven Eleven or any of the stores, and they'd have a freaking magazine rack, like a yes. aisle yeah. magazine rack. I used to like when my mom would go, like, let's go to the grocery store. I'd be stoked, and yeah. I would just park my ass in the magazines and motorcycle or surfing or yeah. whatever, it, and yeah. just you know, just go off. Like, hit me up when you're done, Mark. Yeah, that was what it was. I'd get a little whistle, I'd walk over, and that was it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Remember Mad Magazines? Of course. In the fold. <laughs> you fold up, it wasn't the back page, whatever yeah. you folded, it was the other picture. What was that guy's name? The Alfred cartoon? E. Newman. Uh, yeah, Alfred E. Newman. That was the best. So, so, you're in Glendale. Do you remember the first time you surfed, like, 
Where did you surf in, in California? We would go, like, in the summertime, like, we would go to uh, um, uh, Santa Monica. But the first time, probably, like, was uh, Newport. A, a kid up the street, they got a summer house down down in Newport. And I went down there for, like, a week or something like that. Nice. So when I say surfing, you know, you know what it looks like. A kid that's from the valley, whatever, paddles yeah. out on the weekend. You know, they're popping yeah. really or just... But, you know, I got the taste of it. You know, yeah. I got the taste of it. And well, who's this dude? This is Duke. Hey, Duke, what's happening? Tutoring, that's what it is. What's happening? Tutoring. Tutoring. Oh, man, tutoring sucks, huh? Yeah. yeah. How old are you? Seven. Yeah. Hey, hey you know Grab a snack and some something to drink. <laughs> you got like 15 minutes. Tutor, come here? Uh, it's just online. Put them in the office over here and uh, just go online. Yeah. So yeah, they're gonna set up over here just. Next to us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're gonna talk about uh, VD some more. Oh so, <laughs> yeah, I better watch it. So Newport. Yeah. Uh, you got to stay for a week one time. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're talking. You know, when I was fifteen or something. I don't yeah. Know. But like glorified beach days. You know, all day. Like, dude. Right. Yeah, that's what. Like, or a kid from Glendale gets to spend a week oh. on the beach this in is Newport. What? Yeah. Yeah, it was that's, pretty cool. That's gotta be that's gotta be like a high point in Dude, it's completely different than from where where I grew up. But what I would do, this is like when I was like 13, 14 years old with that boogie board, yeah. is I would take the bus from Glendale all the way to Redondo Beach in the summer. Like right. my parents would say, just go. Yeah. Or my, not not just go. I would just go. Yeah. It would take two hours and I would take the bus all the way to, to Redondo, yeah. get off at the place called the Green the Green Store or something like that. Huh. It was a, it was a liquor store where they would sell beer to me. You know, I get fourteen years old, right? <laughs> and it was one of those things like all day roll, get there about nine in the morning because you leave at the buck rack, and then stay till five at night, and then a two hour bus right back. You have to do a transfer in downtown LA, carrying a fucking boogie board. You know, red as a lobster at the end of the day because there's right. no sunscreen. No sunscreen. Yeah. yeah, I did yeah. that often. And that I mean that. These guys such an adventure. You know, <clears throat> like I, I mean that it, shit doesn't happen these days. No, no. I used to get on the bus. I was fortunate, like Lyndon said, I lived right here. I could bike down, skateboard, right. you know. It's about a mile. I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't Either walk. Way. I'd skateboard or bike. But in the summer, waves, you know, big closeout swells. I would get my bike and I'd get down to the pier and I'd get on the uh, the number one bus and go all the way down to Lowers on the bus. You go to Lowers? Yeah. How long that took? A couple hours? Two, yeah. Two, two and a half hours. And then walk down. Yeah. No, I'd have a skateboard with me. I'd bring well, a skateboard. I mean, get your ass down. Yeah. yeah. And it was... And it cost me a dollar twenty-five each way. And usually on the way back, I'd find somebody. I'd find somebody that was coming back to Huntington or Newport. They give you a ride, and there was no like seatbelt laws back then. And we just pile in the back of trucks. And, and you're like fourteen years old. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Dude, yeah. That, there's no way in hell I would let my kids do that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or how about sitting in the back of a truck on the wheel well <laughs> doing eighty on the freeway? <laughs> my, dad my, to, my dad used to love me, and he'd be. Drinking and driving all the time, and load me and the other kids up in the back of the truck and just go. Yeah, it was fucking. <laughs> I was freaking out on the kids last night, like buckling up. We're driving back from Mammoth. I'm all put your seatbelts on, you know. Yeah, and they just want to like lay down in the back, and I'm like, you know, no, no. Like that. yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. We definitely lived different, yeah, differently than the kids today. It's yeah, and we're, we're not like helicopter parent by any means we just no, you know you want safety you know like you just know from well, we're conditioned a different way now oh definitely Dude, you know like just 
common sense. Yeah. Don't put the kid in the back of a fucking pickup truck while you're driving down the goddamn freeway. Hey, it yeah. worked for us. Yeah. Yeah, but not for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, there was some problems with some well, blood splatter. The problem is there's way more drivers, and now there's Oh, and they're doing this cell the whole time. Yeah, that's true. texting, and then cars go way faster now. Dude, I like this kid. Yeah. You're all right. I don't care what your dad says. <laughs> this kid's cool. Are you cool? Yeah. Do you surf? Yeah. Do you shred? Yeah. Office. Office. <laughs> Office. Hello. <laughs> I'll come turn on the computer in a minute. So, back to what was your first surfboard? And did you have a surfboard in Newport? God. Uh, there was, a, I don't know, something laying around. There was also a Moray Doyle, like one of those foamy guys. Yeah. My, my first surfboard that was mine? Fuck, I can't even remember. But, so, when I was a kid in my teens and stuff like that, I never had a surfboard. I would just try, I'd paddle out or whatever was there. Lucky if I stood up, and that, you know, whatever. Yeah. But when I moved to Long Beach 30 years ago, I started... After I, high school or... No. Well, I got out of high school in 85. Okay. And then I was lost for quite a few years and then in 92 i got sober and i moved to long beach in 93 mm. you know um i moved in with a friend had never been there before M- moved moved in in 93 and i haven't left it's a fucking great community yeah and uh i didn't start surfing until a couple of years after that like surfing surfing got aboard like went and started doing it okay yeah so backtrack a little bit is it when did you find punk rock and when I was about okay when I first heard punk rock and it resonated with me I was probably 14ish 13 14 and I was driving with my uncle in a car and it was late at night and I heard a, a Ramon song called Beat on the Brat nice and it was like beat on the this lyrics go beat on the brat with a baseball bat and I'm like whoa this is gnarly is talking about smacking a kid around with a baseball bat <laughs> And for some reason, it resonated. It was like, it was just, it just Raw. grabbed. Yeah, it grabbed my attention. It was like, what the hell is this? And then around the same time, I was looking through a magazine, like a People magazine or maybe, a, remember that rock magazine called Cream? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Just yeah. some sort of. I remember of, Cream. Yeah, just some sort of magazine. And there was a picture of this band called the Dead Boys. Dead Boys. Yeah. They were they're a punk band from New York City. And they were like all just greasy and slimy like maybe they just played a show but they they looked weird one guy had a shaved head and shaved eyebrows you know and they were in some alley skinny and junky looking and I was about the same age and that really I was like it was scary it was weird and I wanted to know more about it you know what I mean I was like what the fuck is this intrigued and then shortly thereafter I was at um, uh, I was at a swap meet and I saw a dead boys cassette and it had pretty much that same picture on the cover. So my first record, first cassette, was Dead Boys that I stole. I stole <laughs> nice. it. I stole my That's first song. That was punk before I even knew what punk was. Yeah. Like I stole it, and and from then on, I was off and running. It spoke to me. Like the music was loud. It was fast. It was in your face. It was aggressive. It was volatile. It, it was. It sounds kind of weird. It was sort of like my house, so I could relate to it. Mm-hmm. But it also gave me an outlet. Yeah, you know, 
That's interesting because, I mean, yeah, you resonate like based on what you've been through and gone through and yeah. all the music up until then was probably like stuff your parents listen to because that's what happens when you... Classic rock. You're in the, you're yeah, in my, the dad was, my dad would be Blasting Heart or, or yeah. Deep Purple or Zeppelin. Which, yeah. which is cool to have you yeah. know, all kinds of music, but, but it didn't speak to you because... It was you, theirs. You know, yeah, it was their music. Right, and, and I'm sure like they found their music, like the rock and roll, and it spoke to them the way punk rock spoke to me. Yeah. yeah. Did you play any instruments when you were young? Yeah, when I was a kid, I played guitar for 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, and it was like, whatever, this isn't for me. But music was always part of my household. Okay. The one, the one positive thing about my household is my dad always had music, good taste, from like eclectic jazz to, to like Black Sabbath. Wow. And something was always being played. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So I used to like, to escape a lot of the noise when I was a kid, I would put on a record, put on the headphones, and just drift off and just dissect or fall into the music so it was always part of me and i and i always wanted to play it and i ended up playing it damn so what you played drums right yeah okay yeah and how did you gravitate to the drums so when i was about 14 maybe maybe 15 ish maybe i maybe i heard the dead boys like when i was like 12 or 13 and then when i was like 14 that's, that's probably more right um some kids in the neighborhood like some kids moved into the neighborhood and they were hey dude we're gonna start a band we're gonna start a punk band like they kind of had the same taste yeah and pretty much it was like who wants to play guitar hands right you play guitar you play bass and the drums was like the only thing left and i was like okay i'll play drums because that's like you know guitar you can bring anywhere play anywhere in your room parents probably yeah. cool with it when you Hey, I want to play the drums. That's yeah. like a huge commitment. It's man. a commitment, man. And the neighbors weren't too appreciative. And, yeah. yeah. You know? That's the most like appalling instrument. It's yeah, and it's yeah, it's except the accordion. <laughs> Why are you laughing, bro? <laughs> Someone here plays the accordion. I played for twelve freaking years. How the fuck do you do that? Dude. Uh, your parents. Dude, you know what's gonna get you? Child abuse. Yeah. Accordion, man. I'm gonna get laid. The accordion. He had yeah, strict. Strict, uh, it shows out about the accordion. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll talk later about it. So you started playing drums in this band with your neighborhood kids. Yeah. Did you have a name? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty heavily into drugs, and the rest of us were too. We were the acid Tommy experience. I started doing drugs and drinking really young, and these guys were a couple years older than me, except for one of them. But but yeah, so we were the acid Tommy experience, and we would just play like. Covers, you know, like yeah, Louie, yeah. Louie, or this or that, I mean, whatever. that's kind of how you start, right? Yeah, For yeah, because, yeah, yeah, you, you just follow, follow. Tempo and technique. And yeah, but then shortly thereafter, I was dating some girl, and there was sort of a popular punk band. I was probably 15 at the time. There was sort of a popular punk band called Caustic Cause. At, this is like 1981, and uh, they were looking for a drummer. And this girl that I was dating knew them. And she's like, hey, why don't you, you know, cost a cause. And yeah. I was like, okay, cool. They were all in their 30s, and I was like 15. Wow. Dang. Yeah. So they came to my house, and we played. And this is probably within six months, maybe nine months of me starting. And they could really play. They were like good musicians. Yeah. And uh, like, I'm not, I'm not saying like punk rock good, but good good. Yeah. And, and sorry to interject here, but... You know, we always talk about that age gap between 18 and 15 is huge. Yeah, these guys were in their 30s. And yeah. they, they, they were the age of my parents. Yeah. The age of my parents, literally. Um, so how, how did you, did you learn how to read music? or just No, all by sound it, it's and all by feel. sound and feel. Like yeah. I just picked it up naturally. And then since these guys were really good musicians, my drumming really escalated quick. Mm. You know, because 
I had a natural knack for it. Yeah. They could play well, so it, it became much easier than playing with a bunch of beginners. So that first night that they jammed with you... I was playing songs with them. And did were they like, you're good, kid? Kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah. they didn't... They, they, they were surprised. They, they invited me into the band. You know, they go... Like, oh, 14 years old. These guys are 30 years old. Yeah. First 30, time... 32 and 34. One of them had a family with kids and shit. That's it, freaking mind-blowing. And what, and what, what do your parents say? Like, I'm, I'm joining this band with a bunch of... Parents? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. They didn't say anything. I mean, I, I don't remember it being even, like, it just was what it was. Like, yeah. you know, at that time, now, I was going these to... these guys, like, playing at bars and... Oh, like, playing show shows. Yeah, and, and yeah like, uh, bars. Like, and, and theaters and yeah, stuff? Yeah, And uh, they were making money? No. I mean, it was, no still, it was still punk rock. Like, you put one, yeah. night, one night, we'd play in front of 40 people, and the next night, we'd be playing another show the next weekend in front of 400 people. You know, like, maybe 100 bucks here or there, 200 bucks. And I didn't drive. So they would drive to my parents' house. I couldn't drive. I didn't have my driver's license. Yeah. They'd drive. They'd pick me up. We'd go play. They'd drop me off. They'd go, go, go home. Wow. Yeah. So it's wild. not to get too deep in the, in the drugs thing, but what kind of drugs were you doing well, at, at that age? At weed. Weed, drinking. Um, well, acid. Some pills, acid. Uh, you know, just kid shit, yeah. you know. As I got older, by the time I was 19, I was shooting heroin with like full blown junkie, junkie, junkie. Like, you're freaking kidding me. I shot heroin from 19 to 27, homeless, one of those guys in the street corner panhandling. Because the band wasn't a band. I mean, we were, No Effects was a band, but we were, um, we were, the guys were in school, you know, all this stuff. I wasn't, you know, we were just, hey, we got a show. You know, next weekend at a party, and they just picked me up someplace. We were just a, just a hobby. Wow. Yeah, and I was a homeless drug addict for a long time. Matt, that is mind blowing. All right, we'll get to that, to that part. But okay, so you're 15, and you join this band with these 30 plus year olds. Um, did you guys play a lot, a lot of gigs, or? No, I mean, like, yeah, we probably, I mean, I was, probably played 20 or 30 shows with them. Nice. You know, um, you know, it, it, like, sometimes we'd play a couple times a month, sometimes we wouldn't play. You know, it, it was just, like, it was, it was also more of a hobby, but we were doing shows. Like, they had real jobs and stuff yeah. like that, but we were doing real shows, like, playing, like, actual clubs and opening up for bigger bands and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? That's so bizarre. Yeah, like, and so so my drumming really, like I said, excelled because uh, it had to. They were good musicians, and it made it real easy to yeah. easy to excel. How how many did they do? Any albums or we have uh, a couple songs and some compilations, but no, no, we didn't do any albums. Yeah, well, did they do covers or no? Was it was it... all originals. Wow. Yeah, all originals. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was a good time. And how long were each, was each song? Was it like typical punk rock, like freaking a minute and a half? Three yeah, there was that, but it wasn't like typical in your face punk rock. It was like we we had surf style songs, we had jazz style songs, we had um, punk rock style songs. You know, they, since they were really good musicians, there was a lot of different um, musical tastes coming in. Mm. You know, so yeah, the songs would you know two two three minutes. Yeah, you know, how many people were in the band? Oh Jesus, five. We actually had a saxophone player at one point too, so maybe six. Wow. Me, Chip, Chet. Yeah, 
five or six. Yeah. That's a trip, because that... <clears throat> most punk rock bands are just a bass, a guitar, maybe a rhythm guitar, yeah. and a drummer. Yeah. And a singer. We had Yeah, that's what we had, and then we would bring in... That's a five-piece, and then we would bring in the saxophone player occasionally. That makes six. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a saxophone. Yeah, well, we had some like like some surf music and some yeah. other kind of shit and some jazzy shit. Yeah, he didn't do a lot, but he did do some yeah. stuff. I can't remember his name though. So, how long were you in that band for? I was in that band for probably a year, a uh, year, maybe a little longer, but probably about a year. And when I was in that band, I met the guys in NoFX. Okay. And um, they lived in Hollywood, and they asked me to play with them. Actually, I had known Mike for a couple years prior to that. He asked me, and I couldn't because I didn't have a car. You know, like the, those guys would come to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the They're six, 15 or 16 yeah. years old. So so I finally got my driver's license, and I could play with the NoFX guys. They were my age. They were my peers. They were into skating, into the same shit as me. So I quit the band with the old guys to go play with, with the young guys who were actually like my friends. Yeah. But the, the rub on that is, is the guys in NoFX couldn't play for shit like they were full beginners so i was taking a huge step backwards musically yeah and my drumming went from like being pretty fucking good back to being shitty because you know you only rise is, is to the how high the cream is around you yeah yeah you know, and i got really shitty again really quick so were they why did you quit like why did i quit cost of cause yeah to play with no effects because they were my age they were like the my peers yeah. you know what i mean because the guys the guys in Costa Cos were in their 30s. They had families. They had real jobs. They, you know, I couldn't talk about skating. I couldn't. I couldn't. You know. Yeah. These the guys. You know, they're like my buds. I would go to shows and hang out with them. Mm. And so I like, let's, let's do this. I was like, okay, let's do it. So I quit the other band. I mean, there was a second when they overlapped, but I quit Costa Cos to join No Effects. Yeah. But they weren't that good. Oh, they were horrible. We were horrible. <laughs> like they couldn't even fucking play. You know. Yeah. And, I mean, that's you got to go through those. Motions though, you know. Yeah, you gotta it was. Of... It wasn't about. It was just about hanging out and having a good time. Yeah, it wasn't about playing shows. It wasn't about being a rock band or punk band or any kind of celebrity. It was just like about just having fun. Yeah, and that's what punk rock always has been for me. You know, I don't do it. I mean, yeah, I get paid to do it, but I I never did it for that reason. Yeah, I did it because it was just fun. Yeah, you're the highlight of the party every time. Yeah, it's just you a know? good time. Like, yeah, you're hanging with your bros, yeah. having fun. Yeah. So you graduate in 85. It should have been 84, but it was 85. Okay. <laughs> yeah. From Glendale? From Glendale. And then you said you got lost for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was... it was. And this is during no effects days? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what it was is, is I grew up feeling insecure, inferior, less than everybody, didn't, um, wasn't, I had learning disabilities, so I wasn't, I, I felt I wasn't smart, I was told I wasn't smart, all of these insecurities put inside of me, you know, and, and, and I lived off of that, and the best way to, like, feel better about yourself is to inebriate yourself, because then you forget about all that shit, Yeah. you know, so, yeah, I started doing drugs and drinking really young. And then by the time I was 19, like, it had really got me by the balls, you know. And the lost years were, you know, really dark. Yeah. What, what were you doing for money outside of, the, like, what was your first job and what were you... I had a bunch of, like, little stupid side jobs. Like, yeah. you know, I, 
I worked at a factory putting vitamins on a fucking conveyor belt. Yeah. I worked at another factory putting stick, you know, those UV stickers on sunglasses. That I worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Just a bunch of stupid little side jobs. But when the drugs really, really took over, I was pretty much unemployable. I worked at the LA Weekly for a long time as a driver, but um, I would steal books. Like I would shoplift books and then sell them back to another book to another book guy at twenty percent of the cover price. Wow! So this guy had to hustle. Yeah, he would go to book fairs and in 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 swap meets and sell these expensive books for cheap. So he would tell me and my friends, "I want you to get steal these books. Yeah, steal this architecture book, steal this this art yeah, book, steal this. Yeah, like this style or this author or this whatever. Then wow. these are like two hundred dollar books, and he would give us twenty percent of the cover. Dang. Yeah, so I did that for a long time. Long time. Weird side hustle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, what you got to do. Dude, if, if, if there's a will, there's a way. You know? Yeah. And that guy had like a whole fucking like, he probably had like 15 of us doing it. You know? Like, what a fucking scummy dude, though. Taking right. advantage of all these like disenfranchised, lost kids in their yeah. You yeah. Know, early tw- late teens, early 20s, you know, just using them for his advantage. Pretty much, yeah. Think, think about that devious industry and how that multiply that by every industry yeah yeah throughout the country throughout the world yeah Yeah. like you know there's always a dude taking advantage of the fucking youngers yeah there's always a dude taking advantage of somebody else for their own game no sweat off his back he's not gonna get caught he's just like you know he's doing you a favor (laughs) I mean he kind of was but at the same time I was doing him way more of a favor and he was taking advantage of me yeah when did you like you said your your household, you know, you had alcoholism. When did you bounce out of your house? Like the early? day after I graduated high school. Okay, so pretty much. I mean, yeah. with it, I mean, not literally the day, but within but, a couple of weeks. Yeah, I was out. Yeah, that was coming. You're like, I'm out as yeah. soon as I can. I moved to Santa Barbara. Wow. Yeah. Oops. Why Santa Barbara? I had a girlfriend at the time. She she got accepted to UCSB, and then and then I was like, okay, cool. I'll go up to Santa Barbara, and that's actually where I found heroin. In Oof. Santa Barbara, yeah. Santa Barbara is a beautiful place, but yeah. it has a very dark subculture. All these rich kids with too much fucking money and too much time on their hands and daddy's fucking credit card. There's a lot of fucking drugs up there. Right, yeah. A lot. They always say, like, you know, the private schools and the more affluent areas, like you said, they have the means and they yeah. have the connections. Right, and they have the best drugs, the best pills, the best. Yeah, and so Santa Barbara, and, and also Santa Barbara has a little sketchy vibe to it, too. There's, like, a, a, a poor community as well. You don't really see it, but there is. Yeah. So... It, it was fucking everywhere and that's where I started and there was a good punk scene up there yeah yeah yeah. I fell into it right away right away now were you still playing in no effects then actually I quit no effects I quit no effects for about a year and I was playing in another band up there I, got, I just met some guys and we started in another band and then I rejoined no effects a year later or so yeah. maybe even less than a year so heroin is so stupid and gnarly and like I want to scare people you know any kids that would listen to this and go why would you ever do that this is I just wanted to belong because I was always told I was dumb I was always told I was a piece of shit or at least I felt that way you know I could never do anything right so I was just looking for acceptance any way that I fucking could and when you feel really shitty about yourself you look for other people that feel shitty about themselves. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you, you gravitate towards, yeah. I was same always, leveling, yeah. same field, right. same like, I was always getting in trouble. So, the best way to combat that is, is 
go hang out with people that don't have high expectations, you know? Yeah. So I'd hang out with other people. So we'd like have this little, you know. We said it before in the last episode that we did, Misery Loves Company. Yeah. So I was always looking for acceptance and and, and I felt weak. I felt small. So what I did is, is I put a big bravado on and I started like, fuck me, look how, look how gnarly I am. I, I'm doing fucking drugs, this, that, this, that. But it was all to cover up my insecurities and the pain inside. Yeah. And, you know, this isn't shit that I knew at the time, but it was after years and years of therapy and, and all that kind of stuff that I figured it out. Yeah. You know? Because that is like the worst drug to get hooked on. Dude, it is so much worse now, man. It is so much fucking worse. Yeah. It's insane. It's, Cause it, it's, it's, it's the devil, you know? I mean, yeah. it is fucking so gross. And you did it for how long? Eight years. How do you survive that? A couple times I didn't. You know, I mean, I got lucky. I came out. I OD'd a couple times. Wow. Um, I got I got lucky, man. I got fucking lucky. When when I was done, I knew I was done. I lost my family. I lost my friends. I lost everything. I was fucking homeless, panhandling. And then the only thing I had left was the band. And the band wasn't even a band at the time. We were just still like just playing an occasional party. But they were my last piece of reality. And if I lost my last piece of reality, it was the last thing that I held, held dear to me that was still mine. If I lost that, I'd have nothing and yeah. I would just be So you're, you're in Santa Barbara with your girlfriend that's going to school and you find heroin. How? What were you doing for work? Or uh, At that time, I was working at this place called, at a, uh, it was called the Remnant Shop. It was just a fabric shop. Some old lady ran, and, and I would just cut cloth, and you know, and then work at Domino's Pizza. Just a little stupid kid shit, yeah. you know? Just to get by, make some money. Yeah. What, um, on the punk scene up there, I had some friends send me some questions. He's really into punk, and he, he brought up uh, Nardcore. Yeah. 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 And he's all, you know, there was... You there know, was a really good heavy, scene up there. Yeah, good scene and stuff. Nardcore comes from the Oxnard area, Yeah, you know? And Santa Barbara was kind of tied into that because it's all part of up there. For sure. But yeah, man, it's it's trippy. Like, these little fucking beach communities, even like coming to Beach at it, has yeah. this like little like, yeah. ah, fuck you, this little pissy like underground society, you yeah. know what I mean? HFL. We, we, and, we had a yeah. pretty, yeah, we had a pretty gnarly scene here. Yeah. Like, growing up, like, Huntington was gritty and gnarly and underground, like. Dude, I mean, too. Main Street wasn't like it is now. No. Like, 20 years ago, it wasn't like it is now. No, barely. Yeah. Just started kind of recently. That was when it started. Yeah. You know, like, um, where Poncho's is, Poncho's Tacos, that was called? Yeah. Sancho's. 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 Yes. Yeah. The, the, we used to call that Java Germany because there was always like white supremacist guys hanging out. There was a job, it was a, it was a coffee it was shop. Java Jungle. Java yeah. Jungle, yeah. 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 No, Huntington Beach definitely had a fucking vibe about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you could tell who were the, you know, the skinheads, who were the punks, who who were like... The bikers. The, 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 yeah, like there yeah. was definitely like... Perks, Perks was the... The bikers. The biker bar. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how long were you in Santa Barbara for? I was only in Santa Barbara a couple of years. And then I went to San Francisco, then LA, then San Francisco. Then during those eight years of heroin, I was all over the place. I couldn't... I, I, I You know, it was just one of those transient kind of homeless fucking guys. You know, they would they would get a ride to San Francisco. Like fuck, I, you know, I, I would have friends up there. Fuck it, I'm gonna go fucking go up to San Francisco, and I would stay there for nine months. And I'm gonna go back down to L.A. and I'd, 
get a ride down to LA or take a Greyhound and then live in Hollywood on the streets for time, you know, whatever it is. Wow. Yeah. So you lived on the streets panhandling. I would, okay, I'm, I'm going to back up. I did do homeless nights, but I did a lot of couch surfing. You know, there's a difference. It's yeah, not sure. like I had a fucking cardboard box and all this kind of shit. There were nights that I did sleep outside, but I also had friends that I stay at this house for four or five days, this house for two days, you know. Yeah, bounce around. Yeah, the surfer guys do that yeah. shit too, you know. Yeah. But did there you was, have a car? Or? At times, and yeah. at times, no, you know. Sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't, you know. You so know, I'd, I'd, I'd somehow scrounge up some money and get like a $300 beater and then drive it until it got towed because I wasn't paying my tickets, and then that was it. <laughs> you know? So did you, did, for eight years you kind of... Just floated around. Floated around and... Panhandled and made stole books. Would go on tour and make a couple hundred dollars after like two months of tour, you know. But tour wasn't tour. It would be like yeah. the guys were in school, or our single guy was in school, and you go like, "All right, dude, I'm picking you up January. I mean, uh, June 9th. We're gonna go. We're gonna go drive around the United States." He, he had a van. I'm like, okay, cool. So June 9th, he'd pick me up wherever the fuck I was, get in the van, I'd kick heroin for the first week, and then we would just go and play parties across the U.S. So. As your band started getting more popular and getting more gigs, it was all during that time you were floating around. It's kind of it's kind of weird. Like I floated around until, okay, yeah, it was picking up a little bit of steam, a little bit. Like our shows went from four people to eight people, and eight people to twenty five people. You know, but we were just doing it to have fun. It didn't matter if there was four people or twenty five. We yeah. were just having fun. You know. And your bandmates knew what you were going through. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they were cool with it because they drank, they did acid, and they were like, dude, that's just his, heroin's just his drug of choice. He shows up, he plays fine, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, they, they would do, you know, blow and... and yeah, they'd do different drugs. And right. Like, you're showing up. You're right, not, I'm showing yeah, up. I wasn't fucking up until I was, yeah. you know. And then... Um, I, I think it's like when you guys are... Traveling, are you guys pressing your own little cassette player? Are you guys making merch? Or are you yeah, guys, we, you we, yeah, we we would print up merch like you like we would go to this guy's warehouse in downtown LA and print up our own merch, buy the shirts for like a buck each, and yeah. then sell them for like five bucks on the road. And we would take sheets of acid with us and sell them on on the road to get gas money. And we we would sell bunk sheets of acid, you know, like that was just paper. We'll never see these people again, <laughs> right? No, yeah, yeah. hundred bucks is yours. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so no, we had little hustles on the road. Well. Well, how, how did who came up with the name No Effects and what is it? I think Melvin, our guitar player, did, and it was like No Effects is like there's no gimmicks, No Effects. Yeah. What you see is what we are. Like yeah. we're just fucking four dumb, dumb dudes. Yeah, you know, just plain and simple. Yeah, and <laughs> like there was never a time where they're like, "Dude, you're a heroin addict. You're kicked off the." the, the well, it got progressively worse and worse, and to where to where it actually did start affecting my performance. Uh, affecting my reliability, you know, but this is years and years and years later on. Like, I still took a lot of pride in playing. I still took a lot of pride in the band, even though I didn't take any pride in my life. It still meant something to me. Yeah. Uh, so in 1992, so this is, I started when I was 19. In 1992, I was 27. Um, they said, I did, you either go to rehab or you're out. And I could tell it was serious. Like, it was serious. And that's when I had the epiphany that if I lost the band, I would have lost anything and everything that meant something to me. Yeah. Because of this. And this is not who I am. And I'd, I'd been battling with it inside for a while. Like, this but you is, needed that hard talk. Yeah. You needed that somebody to put you straight in. Yeah. Luckily, it, you had that passion of music yeah. and playing that 
kind of snappy yeah. out of it. So I checked myself into rehab, and under the guys, un, not the guys, under the thought of, it was a 60-day program. I'm going to give it 100% everything I got for all 60 days. If I get high the second I leave, at least I gave it a shot. You know, I had never followed through with anything else in my life before. Wow. I'd never. But I'm going to give this, and I gave it the 100% shot. I really did. I, every fucking... Took it to heart, listened to the people, to heart, yep, like listen, did everything they did, said. Yep, they said, do this, I did that, you know? Yeah. I haven't gotten high since. Wow. I haven't gotten high since. And then coincidentally, that is right when the band... Blew up. Yep. That's right when Offspring came out, and Green Day fucking hit big. We were making 150 bucks a show, and then all of a sudden we're making fucking... You know, three grand, you know? Yeah. And I like the scene. I haven't, had a, I haven't had a job since. You know, it's yeah. so fucking weird. Like, wow. it was like all the stars aligned. You got to get your shit together. I got my shit together. Boom. Yep. Now you're a band making money. Yep. So, between 18 and 27 is, is when you were doing that, right? 19. 19 and 27. That's when I was doing the heroin, but I mean, I started other shit way earlier. Yeah. But, yeah. but um, you never really you were on the streets pretty much. I, yeah, like I said, like running around. Yeah, you know, I'd have, I'd have a place couch surfing or, or like, hey, you can share my room for a month, and I'd share this room for a month. Like, dude, you got to get the fuck out. Then I'd go here, or you know, or couch surfing, or couch surfing, or you know, yeah, yeah. I I did were not you have skateboarding and surfing too. No, it wasn't surfing. No. I was skateboarding because a lot of times my mode of transportation was a skateboard. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I was skating a lot, but that was just for transportation. Were yeah. your parents like? Did you talk to your parents during occasionally? That time? I'd, I'd milk them for money, you yeah. know, like mom, I got, I need twenty bucks because of blah 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 blah, you know. And, yeah. But you know, I wasn't really loud around, you know, because yeah. it's just, you know, was, I was a junkie. You know? Tough love. Yeah. Plus, yeah, you don't want to be. I didn't want to be around. Yeah. You know, it hurt. Yeah. Yeah, like I didn't have I didn't have the best environment growing up. It wasn't very good, but at the same time, it was still my parents. Yeah. yeah. So you got sober at twenty seven. Mm -hmm. What happened after that? Like, well, so I got sober. I got I I got out of rehab. I got a little apartment. shared shared a, a little apartment with some dude I didn't know. Just just moved in with some guy, a friend of a friend. Stayed there for a year, was going to meetings, didn't have a car, taking the bus. This was in 92, 92, 93, taking the bus to meetings. I was living in Hollywood and and was doing all the things I was supposed to be doing. Like, you know, what everybody told me, go to meetings, be of service, put your hand out, talk to newcomers, all that kind of shit. But it was Hollywood. Everybody was really pretentious and I couldn't fucking relate and they couldn't relate to me. And everybody's talking about like their movie script, like in AA meetings and stuff, or NA meetings, their movie script that they didn't get or the Pepsi commercial or, you know, it's just like... Some Weird. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I had a friend of mine, this guy named AJ, who's from Long Beach. Um, I knew he was in the program. I hit him up. He's like, "Come down to Long Beach. I'll take you to a meeting here." Went to a meeting that night. I met everybody that I'm still friends with. Wow. How cool. Yeah, that I'm still friends with, and I moved down the following weekend with AJ, because all of a sudden there was I was in a room with people like me. Yeah. You know that. Same music scene, the same drug scene, the same this. There was no, like, script talk or, yeah. like, bullshit. You know, it was fucking real. So so then I lived with, lived, yeah, that was in 93. I moved to Long Beach, and then I started surfing a couple years after that. What, uh, what did you do for money then? 
that's when the band was starting to take off. So I didn't have to work. So, I, so yeah. I, I'd go on tour for like back then. I would go on tour for three months, and I'd come home with ten grand. You know, and that ten grand could last me. You know, and then I'd come home with twenty grand, and then you know, and then it started started like, oh cool. What was the, what was the song or video or? Um... It was nothing that really put us over the edge. It was not like one particular thing. It was our style of music was gaining popularity. Our songs were getting way better. Um, like our singer, our singer, he writes all the songs. It started like getting way better, and we put out a record called White Trash Two. No, yeah, White. No, we put out a record called Punk and Drublick. Or maybe hmm. what, what? That's great. Yeah, or White Trash. No, White Trash Two Hebes and a Bean. I'm the White Trash. <laughs> Got two Jewish guys and the Mexican. So White Trash Two Hebes and a Bean. That one was came out right when I got out of right when I was in rehab got out of rehab that one all of a sudden people go like holy fuck these guys are a really good band I recorded it strung out you know I got sober right afterwards that's when the ball started rolling really big yeah because that's really interesting to kind of pinpoint because here you are you know sober and clear right like before you're just playing and getting a hundred dollars maybe yeah right? I was along for the ride you were along, along for the ride for the party for the party in a cloud, like your mind, yeah. you don't really give a shit what you're getting paid. No, I was just there to be there. Yeah, and and you're not paying attention to dollars. You're not paying attention to there were no dollars. A future. You're not paying attention to anything except for scoring the next whatever. Yeah, no, right? there, there were no dollars. There was no future. It was just about having the immediate fun. And then all of a sudden, you're sober, and you're clear, clear. Right? Everything starts coming together. Everything starts coming together, which is really interesting. And like, so do you, was it like you start playing more shows and then you start hearing your songs on the radio or like? Not really radio, but the shows went from like 40 people to 400 people. And then next time we came through a town, there'd be 800 people. And then yeah. next time we'd be like 1,500 people. Did you guys have a manager or who booked these? Or you we just, just talk, talked with the other bands and be we like, just, hey, like we, we get three three. Groups and we could go play here. Or? Yeah, and then and then we yeah we would just do it all ourselves, and then we ended up getting a, a booking agent that booked punk bands, and she would call up and she would go, okay, here you go, you're going up the West Coast, across the top, down into Chicago, over well, to New York. What was the event? Golden Voice was one of the ones that yeah. were for for music, right? Yeah. Did you do what was uh, what was the? We did a lot of Golden Voice shows. Oh, you did. Okay. We did a lot of Golden Voice. They were like one of the punk rock promoters, but yeah, we did a lot of their shows. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes when, you know, you came from the gutter and then now you're like aware and, and yeah. awake and, and you, you know, like you said, eight people to, to 50 people to 100 people. And then you're saying, shit, you know, I came home with a thousand bucks. I came home with three thousand bucks. Like, like real money. Yeah. Like no, real no. money. And, and like. You're like, whoa, like we're within a couple of years I was making more money than my parents combined. Yeah. You know, and I'm not talking millions of dollars. No, I've never made that up, but I'm talking like eighty grand. Yeah. You know, and that yeah. was probably what they were making combined in nineteen ninety two or ninety ninety five or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know? But but the 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 skyrocket effect of what just happened in your life. It was weird because because it was such a uh, such a polar opposite from where I just immediately came, come from yeah. that I had a lot of guilt. I had a lot of like, like, do I deserve this? Like, what the fuck is going on? Because I would see my other buddies 
that were trying to get their shit together off of drugs, but still just struggling, you yeah. know, in life in general. Yeah, I mean, you're you're given the gift of of you know music making, and you're in the right band. And so it was it was a lot of timing, a lot of luck, a lot yeah. of timing. I mean, we're realistically we're a mediocre band that got lucky because everything everything just aligned all at once, you know. Yeah, that's what it is. That's the truth. Yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome timing, like you said, like the come out of rehab, the punk scene's like really coming alive. You're clear-headed. The band's playing a lot better, and it just skyrockets yeah, from there. Just that, yeah. So um, that's cool. Surf videos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Your generation. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the songs in 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 that Taylor's whole, movie. Yeah, yeah. Taylor, like the momentum shit and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, that was that was a lot of us, a lot of Pennywise, a lot of Bad Religion. Yeah. You know. And and we. Were you aware of that? That yes. that was happening? And yes. Were you like, hell yeah, we're going to be in the next surf video, like Taylor Steele video? It's kind of, I, mean, I didn't realize how much of an impact that he had he, he was having on the surf slash punk world until a few years later. Mm-hmm. You know, until like the next generation of kids. Do you know which songs? No, I don't know the songs. No, we had yeah. songs in all kinds of videos. Yeah. But I, I didn't realize what an impact his videos had on the punk rock and the surfing community until the next generation of kids started coming out. Because they say, oh, I remember when I saw this clip and your guys' music. Like, when it was happening, it was just it was just cool. You walking like a dinosaur? <laughs> a T-Rex. Oh, sorry, kid. Like a crazy kid. So, yeah. I mean, like, we, we were talking before the podcast, like, how, like, influential the surf movies were, like, oh, yeah. the music that went with it. And then, you know, like, Taylor was doing, like, premieres, like, yeah. everywhere, all up and down, um, you know, the coast. And, I mean, he would have, like, a, a premiere... Yeah. East Coast, right? He was doing them kind of all over. Yeah. Well, you were saying that you guys played. uh, I think it was the Palace. Like, at least one or two of his premieres. Us and maybe Pennywise, you know, and there was like 2,000 fucking people in the the audience. Yeah. You know? It's amazing. So, at 27, you're you're clear headed, you're sober. Did you, is that when you started surfing? Like a couple more? years after that. Okay. That is like when I when I, then I actually before it was like I would go to the beach and it was something I like to do, like or like you know, uh, um, and it's part of the California lifestyle. Like I grew up, you know, like looking at Mark Richards on the cover of Surfer magazine with this fucking yeah. twenty, you know, all that kind of shit. So a couple years after that, when I'm more close to the age of like thirty, like mm. I was like, okay, I'm gonna really start surfing. And I did, and I picked it up really quick, like every fucking day. What What did you start on? I started on longboard. Okay, it made it so easy. It made it so easy. And then I transitioned down to little shorties. I was never very good on shortboards. Dude, yeah. the, the margin for error on those things is, you know, it's harder to get in the waves. It was, you know, the whole yeah. so so I like you know like I ride now six eight to seven two. That, that's my world. Yeah, you know? yeah, and that's I mean, again like. You're, we always talk about like different levels of surfing and, you know, you know, everybody aspires to be, you know, or wants to watch like the, the guys rip, Dude. but what they think is a good day or a good wave versus what you are, it's different in our eyes, but in the feeling that you're going through, like when you catch a good wave on your seven, two or whatever board, you're going fast and trimming, yeah. you're getting that same exhilaration, exhilaration. and, and fun fact. And you're, you're thinking like, 
this is it. This is yeah. It. I mean, and I've surfed all over the world. I've gone to Indo. I've gone everywhere, you know. And I've surfed, and and you don't have like I'm a competent surfer. I'm yeah. average. Yeah. You don't have to be the best to fucking be just fucking stoked as long as you get your fucking waves. Yeah. Have a good time, and everybody's fucking cheerful and all that shit. But but you know, and, and you know, surfing, you know. People are pretty tough, you know, out in the water, and, and people talk a lot of crap, and people are always like, "Oh, that guy's a kook," and I'm like, "In your eyes, yeah, maybe, but dude, that guy's probably having the best time of his life. He's probably ripping yeah. right now." I don't think anybody's a kook unless they do something fucking really. No, stupid. of course, like the wave etiquette, really and, you know, cutting off or, they, or they don't know what it is. Yeah, you know, and then I'm not gonna be one of those guys who goes like, "Dude, fucking beat it, go back." Blah, blah. Yeah, it's like, no, dude, that, that wasn't cool. Just yeah. Check this out. You don't do this. Yeah. you know. It's like every once in a while. You wouldn't do what Jay does. <laughs> I just every once in a while you'll see those. Guys, I guess you time it is real quick. Yeah, you'll see those guys getting getting barreled, but they're not, and then they come out and they do a double arm oh, like, like when it's over their back shoulder. <laughs> it's just like they're, and then they kick out like that guy just thought he got freaking soap. <laughs> you saw me. You, that's me. That's me. So you. You got okay. back into surfing, started off longboarding. Not got back into surfing. I actually learned how to surf. Yeah. You know, like it was always on my radar, something I wanted to do. I could boogie board, all this. You know, the typical valley kid. Yeah. You know? And then I was like, fuck it, no. And you're living in Long, Long Beach at this, this time yeah. and you're still there? Long I'm in Long Beach. Yeah, yeah I'm still yeah. there. I haven't left. And where's your, where do you like go cruise at? Like where's your spot? Cliffs. Cliffs. Every day. Every day. Yeah. I go to the pier occasionally, but yeah. it's just such a tight little zone. Yeah. yeah. You know, do you, the, go, do you go in the second parking lot or the closer to here? Yeah, the, okay. the south parking lot. South parking lot. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when you know, and you know, our little opening monologue here, you you got into motorcycle riding. Okay, my whole life, motorcycles have always been my passion. Yeah. Since I was a kid, just just my dad had a couple. Just my fucking passion. I I never got one as a kid. I, I had like a little, you know, it just it just never. Never got that support. Yeah. Like I had a little mini bike for a second and just never got that support. So when I made some money, I started racing motorcycles. Mm, racing? Got, yeah, racing. And I got it. I still race. Last time I raced was a year ago, but but yeah. Uh, that's like what, what kind of like bike or? Motocross. You know? Motocross. Motor and right now I have a, a KTM 350. Um, yeah. You know, probably done a hundred races or something. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that. It, we you know we live at the beach, but I have so many friends that are in the moto. You oh, know, yeah. like that. Yeah, it's like Did you said. It's part of the Southern California culture. Do you know Forrest Mitchington? Yeah. yeah. Does he live right around the corner? I don't think he lives in this track. Yeah. Okay, because I drove by and I was like, "Hey, is that his shit?" Like, yeah, we got we got a ton of neighbors that yeah they're okay yeah <laughs> their bikes you could hear them going down they're tuning up in their driveways in the garage like all right. the time yeah so that didn't start until same time when I, when I got out of rehab. Living in Hollywood. It's like your second... I, I started living the life that I wanted. was meant to live. Yeah. You know? You know, the motorcycles, the surfing. So did you did, did you start a business with Moto too? Me and a couple friends, me and my friend Jordan and my, my friend Kurt, we took the snowboard and surfing video idea. All the motocross videos were fucking yeah. cheesy. Excuse me. Were cheesy. Were just silly. And then we took the snowboarding and the surfing, like, you know, the partying, the fighting, the, yeah. the, the behind the scenes of what these guys are really doing. And we said, let's do it, th let's do it that way. And coincidentally, it was the same exact time as Krusty, Krusty Demons. No way. It was the exact same time. Like, yeah. And then we met those guys, right? No way, no way, no way. Like, we were, same thing. 
they put their video out about five months, four months before ours actually came out, but we were filming. So the, and, and so we started doing videos. Took the pro, yeah. Took the profits of those videos and started a race team. Started racing the Supercrosses and the Outdoor Nationals. Wow. And then What's we, that company called? It was Moto Triple X. Okay. And we won a Supercross at the LA Coliseum. We were the most successful independent privateer team ever. And that ran from 1996 to 2002. So it's a motorcycle team? Yeah, we'd go race all of the Supercrosses inside the stadiums and stuff like that. Were, were you guys playing trying to travel with like during like or was this the moto full separate gig full separate gig yeah yeah full set like we had like semi two semis two semis at least one semi and a bunch of box trucks yeah. and, you know like full separate deal like i'd go off on tour and they you know like with employees the whole nine yards dang getting that's expensive sponsors so it's it's yeah. a full-on business absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. And that we're not, we didn't make it, I didn't pocket any money from it because we were yeah. making his videos along the way and it was going into the race team and then sponsors, but it was just all out of passion. The same as the music. Yeah. You know? Hey, you know, like. What were the videos called? Moto Triple X and then there was like one, two, three, and then, you know, whatever. Yeah. Just stupid names to go along with them. Yeah. You know, we, uh, I think we did nine of them or something like that we we i don't know if you've heard you know who justin mulford is yeah 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 we we had him on the podcast and he was that kid yeah in the beginning of the movies yeah Crusty yeah. D. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably, how old is justin now probably 25 or something like that uh, probably maybe a maybe little, a little older. older yeah yeah but yeah i mean yeah. you know again just that era i mean it was yeah the midnight mid to late yeah. 90s like it was just it was just blown up blowing up like that's when free you know like free surfing kind of like started you know outside of a couple skateboarding same thing it was more personality same in the moto scene it was like hey snowboarding was huge it just wasn't the guys racing or or no in the contest it was like it was showing like look there's other avenues of this sport yeah you know and i mean all the coverage was up until then was mag prints or you maybe you'd see some highlights of a race it wasn't like that kind of and the, hey, let's just go, you know, screw around on no, a local And the videos and, were like tutorial videos. Yeah. Like there was no like just guys having fun and jumping and goofing around. And and now you're like, dude, that guy's cool. I like his style and look what he's doing. Like, you know, there's a lot more to like, yeah. you know, take from, you know, take from that athlete. It's yeah. a trip. We, uh, how Huntington was like the epicenter for. It was a Mecca. Skate, surf, snowboarders, mount, uh, I think moto. Like, like in the mid, mid nineties, mid to late nineties, like. That lifestyle really like got exposed through videos and shit like that. So people from from the Inland Empire and all that stuff just yeah. moved straight here. Yeah, straight and, brought, here. and brought all that. The nine yeah. nine factor. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, there's a bunch of lifted trucks, a <laughs> bunch of sideways hats. Yeah, white Pitbulls. white white arnets. Yeah, dude, pitbulls. And, oh, and white beaters. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you, you got into boxing and jiu-jitsu? At yeah. At what age were you into that? Uh, I'm sure punk, you guys got in a lot of fights. I got in a lot of fights. When yeah. I was growing up, I got in a lot of fights. I, jiu-jitsu, I probably started 2007. Okay. You know, and then boxing shortly thereafter. And then in 2010, I opened a boxing gym yeah. in Long Beach. And... Uh, we just sold it like a month ago. Wow. So it ran, it ran for that long. We sold my partner who was a pro fighter. It was just like, I'm just burnt on it. So yeah, like, like I was, I was teaching boxing. I'm a, I get a lot of experience, cornered a lot of fights. 
Um, I don't have any uh, fights on record myself, but yeah. I've done a lot of sparring and all that kind of shit. But yeah, <laughs> this guy. Yeah, how, how, like how did opening a gym? Your your buddy was a boxer. My buddy, was, my buddy was a boxer. He was a pro boxer. He was re, he was really good, but then he just um, he quit, became a teacher, and then he was like, teaching sucks. It yeah. really does. I, I don't want to fight anymore. But then he started training people mm-hmm. and training celebrities, and, and I saw how good he was at it. Really, like person. Yeah, we need a, a place. Yeah, really personable. But he was hustling, like he was driving to Hollywood. He was like Matt Damon's trainer for all of Matt Damon's movies, and and then through that he got uh, you know other actors and stuff like that. How did you meet this guy? Through the punk scene. Like he was he was just a friend of mine from Long Beach. He lived in Long Beach. What's up, dude? That is so yeah fortunate. Yeah. So so I saw what he was up to, and like he was a really good friend of mine. He moved to Miami for a long time, was training celebrities, and then he moved back to Long Beach because he got sick of it. And I'm like, dude. You're so good at this. Yeah. Let's open a freaking gym. Because I did the numbers through the jiu-jitsu place. Yeah. I was like, okay, the rent on this place is probably six grand a month. They have 300 students at 150 bucks a month. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. It's yeah. a no-brainer. It's positive cash flow from day one. So we opened up a gym. In what was it called? Long Beach United Boxing Club. Right on the corner of 4th and Cherry on Retro Row. Right in the middle of like the hip neighborhood yeah. and all that kind of shit. We almost did one in, on Main Street. You know where um, the bicycle shop is now? Yeah, Jack's. Remember what, remember what was electric that? Electric chair. Yeah, when it was electric chair. Yeah, when yeah. they vacated, yeah. we almost rented that place out Dude, and opened up a big box. a killer building. Yeah, the rent, Sick was, building. The rent yeah. was 20 grand a month. Oh, right? my gosh. Fuck yeah. yeah. And, but so anyway, so we, we opened it up and, and it was a successful mainstay community you know community based not a tough guy gym for like real fighters it was like you want to come in and learn something you want to get some exercise blah blah blah, blah yeah blah, you know have fun yeah have fun yeah but you're getting so you're learning some you're skills. learning some, it is, it is a boxing exercise but we also had sparring classes we also had like cardio and yeah, yeah a, a lot of different kind of stuff can i ask you like when you formed the moto cross sure. team yeah, yeah it was a business yeah and then you Open this gym with your buddy. It's a business, yeah. right? Where did you get your business savvy? It's not. It's just. It was passion. It wasn't like I'm a business. I'm not a fucking business guy. I'm just a guy that that I had passion in music, so I wanted to play it. Yeah. You know, I had passion in motocross, so like I raced it. Like let's make some videos because I saw what snowboarding does. That looks really cool. That worked. I really like jujitsu. I really like boxing. Oh man, the, this community would—it would be great if we had a boxing gym here. It was just more my passion, yeah. you know. Hence the shaping. Like I've been surfing now for twenty-five years or whatever it is, and I see the art that goes behind the shaping, and I see that every board is—they're different for different style of waves, different style of surfers, different all kinds of different shit. So I started hacking out boards. I started just just getting out the planner and just chiseling away. And and when did you start that? When did you start? Two thousand eight. I did my, yeah, 2008 I started shaping. About the same time as, like, right before the gym, you know? Did you have any training from anybody, or did you, like, just spend a lot of time in, like, the shaping bays no, with people? Yeah, it was, uh, like, like, YouTube clips. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd been getting custom boards, and I'd go in there and see it, but I didn't really know. Mm. And then I went to Foam Easy and bought some, you know. Brad like, and Dill. Yeah, Brad. <laughs> I'm there every day. Uh, bought some like you know I, I, I oh, uh, uh, a brewer like how to shape video. And, yeah. And I was 
grew up in a working class blue collar house where you yeah, fix fun. shit yourself. Yeah. My first car, I had to do the top end on it. You know, I had to do. So, so like, I knew how to use tools, and I was like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. So the, my first board, holy shit, it's a surfboard, and it surfed. <laughs> it worked. It looks like a surfboard. Yeah. And so, surprisingly, yes. I mean, I know that sounds kind of weird, but you see some yeah. boards, first shapes, and people are like, oh, what the hell, you know? Yeah. And it looked like a surfboard. Yeah. What did you shape? Uh, a longboard? No, no, no. It was like a fun board. I think it was like a 610 or a 70. Just kind of like an eggy thing, sort of yeah. easy, not a lot of complex curves or whatever. You know, and then my second board was a six one fish. Like kinda of like kinda of like the um the lost round nose fish. A little more not so old school, but you know, a quad and I still had the board. Like it's a legitimate surfboard. It yeah. surfed really good. It was like, holy shit. Third, fourth, fifth board's not so good. And then it just started getting better and better and yeah. better. Now did uh, did you form a brand? Like a is this just, what you want to do for a living? Well, to make money doing this? No, not at the time. I mean, what happened was, so I was shaping like a backyard shaper. You know, I'd like shape myself a board or a friend a board. Or, people here are like, oh, you shape? I'll yeah, yeah, I'll okay, try well. one. Yeah, and, you know, some worked, some didn't work, whatever it was. It was cool. It was fun. It was it was a, another hobby. So when COVID happened, I had probably shaped a couple hundred boards, you know? That's a lot. Yeah, but that was over 12 years or something yeah. like that. So it's not really a lot, you know, 10 a year maybe. So... Um, COVID happened. All of a sudden, I'm musically unemployed. Like, yeah. and, and, am, oh, am I ever going to be employed again? I'm not financially, emotionally ready to retire. You know, I don't want it. Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Did you guys ever record an album? Like, have you recorded albums since... When did you start doing that? Because I know you... Oh, we started recording albums like within a couple of years of us starting. Okay. And we've been recording all the way through. We probably have... 20 albums I don't know and, and 50 other weird things yeah yeah we've been recording all along and I don't know the music industry what do you do you get paid for recording and then you get paid for each one sold you don't get paid for recording you pay for recording because you got to hire someone to do that, it. that's why most people go with like a, a high-end or a major label because yeah. they have all of that tech and yeah studio. But they still bill you for it but they bill the yeah, band you gotta pay back, back. yeah, yeah. So we would get paid on sales. So if, if a record sales sells for ten bucks, record label gets five, the band gets five, mm. or or whatever the deal may be. Mm. But the digital age came; no more records are being sold because everything can be downloaded, everything can be pirated, everything's on YouTube. Yeah. So my my income used to be fifty percent sales, fifty percent touring. Now it's ninety percent touring. No. 98% touring, 2% sales. There's no more record sales. And you're not getting paid more to tour. No. 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 So, so. That's heavy. Yeah. yeah. The, the industry changed to where records, there's no no longer really record sales. You know? It's wild. And we, we talked to a couple other, you know, musician artists and they said that. Pretty the same it's thing, huh? Pennies. Points of pennies per download. Yes. Or, or impressions or, or whatever. It's, it's like, it's, it's you got to hit. Massive numbers to even make money. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But if you get something that goes viral or you get something, then, you know, you might see a little blip. Yeah, but, but it's it, it used to be like, you know, before a person would have, have to buy a record. Yes. Now they could just download one song or stream one song and it is like one one hundredth of a penny. Yeah. You know, it's nothing. Yeah. I mean, luckily, you know, I mean, when MTV and, you know, took a 
took a dive and they went all uh, what it, you know yeah uh, I don't know what's the the shows they're they're put you know they they were they stopped playing music yeah they started it, doing like all the real worlds all, the, shit. all yeah. the reality stuff yeah. you know and it was like man you know then there was like nobody really investing into like videos and stuff you know it was just songs and and now I feel like there's like a resurgence with YouTube like you know yeah, on the last YouTube, YouTube the, the bands don't really make money on YouTube no but but, but YouTubers do yeah right. right different story yeah but you know like as far as you know trying to get some spike in sales or a yeah. song and stuff you yeah. know like it seems there like, is that now like you can put videos up and it does help yeah it does help but it's like at what, yeah. at what cost of yeah. putting a, a video together you know well so then so so then Back to the COVID thing, it hit, and I was yeah. like, fuck, I better fucking do something because I can't sit on my ass while my wife works fucking 60 hours a week, and she comes home, and my, and my underwear scratching my balls going, fuck, dude, I just watched the funniest fucking movie. Yeah. Like, how how long is that going to be fucking yeah. sustainable, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I was like, I better do something, and so I was like, fuck it, you know? Like I said, I would shipped a couple hundred surfboards, and I have a built-in clientele with the band, fan base. Yeah. Let me make, see if anybody wants some custom boards. Yeah, and, and it, it just started happening. On what's that, your board label? Pickle sticks. Pickle sticks. Yeah. yeah. So you know why pickle sticks? Because that second board I made, that six one fish, I painted like pickle green, and my friend Curly would go, "Dude, that's your pickle stick." Uh, what are you going to write today? I go, "My pickle stick." Yeah. You know, and so I became I have pickle sticks. <laughs> do, do you think, or do you know, like the people ordering your boards now? That are are they? Wall wall art, or are they this get it by because you are there, no. or they're full on right. servers, right? Both, but I'm gonna say because you know what I mean. I, yeah. I, yeah, you know, I'm gonna oh, say, smelly shape, and I want a board like that's rare. I would like, say 10% is wall art, okay, maybe maybe 5%, yeah, you know, but a lot of boards, like, no, like people are like that's riding cool. them and getting getting pretty fucking good reviews, you know, yeah, you know, but you know, I, I just find it interesting because I, you know, some people so are funny. like, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of. Awesome. Like you said, you got a fan base, and if somebody's like, "Dude, I'll yeah, it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm just so Joe Blow in a garage. Like yeah. I have people that that would be interested. Yeah, you know, and then so you have a shaping room at home, mm-hmm. or it's you- it's actually where the gym was. You know, we just sold the gym, but I kept the garage. I mean, I got a single car garage. It's full shaping bay. Epic. The lights, Epic. the fucking color blue on the wall, the fucking whole nine yards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got uh, the, the tutorial. Yeah, yeah. I got my skill planner on the wall that I don't use anymore because everything's fucking computer cut. You know, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And uh, you're one of Foamy's best customers. <laughs> First name basis, man. They call me and I kind of fucking talk shit about their moms, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We got the triple stringer 9-0 you want it. No, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, yeah. So what are you shaping? What's your specialty? I don't know. A little bit of everything, though. You know, like like yesterday I delivered a, a, a 9-0, that classic, classic... Uh, nose rider and then uh tomorrow i'm shaping a five nine you know it's a little bit of everything nice do you have a team no god no i mean like you know You're not the, the profit the profit on, on surfboard <laughs> shaping in my level is nothing right you know i'm you know I'll, I'll give i'll give somebody yes i've made boards for free for friends but but like if somebody that is like i'll just go how i did cost yeah you yeah. know 50 bucks above cost whatever maybe yeah I mean, you got your time invested, but yeah, yeah, you're just, you know, you're building a brand or a yeah, label and yeah, I, yeah, you're getting, I, honing your skill in. and Yeah, and I know I'm not a fucking rusty or I'm not a this or I'm not a that. Yeah. I, like, I've made some good surfboards. I've probably made some clunkers too. It's just more of a fucking passion, yeah. you know? And there's, it's a really fucking awesome feeling when I make myself a board, paddle the first wave, 
in a, he just, it's like, oh, fuck, this works. Yeah. This fucking yeah. works. You know, like, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what was the event that you and Tyler just did? You guys just did a, uh, a thing called Punk in the Park. It was a two day punk rock music festival in Irvine. Punk in the Park. Good turnout. Yeah, the first day I think there was like ten thousand. The second day there was six thousand. Wow. Yeah, it sold merchandise. I had some surfboards and sold a couple surfboards there and got a couple of orders. Yeah, it was all good. Dang. It was awesome. And what was like, like how many bands over the two days or just festival? Probably, more like... It was a festival vibe. Yeah. It was probably 15 bands both days. I don't really Did know. Did you guys play too? We played last year. Okay. This year I was behind the booth like selling, taking pictures all day. Some cool nostalgic you did shit a coming in, out of the woodworks, people like finding... Yeah. yeah. You did a cool. pickle sticks booth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like me and Beer Savage, like we had booths side by side and yeah. cross promoted Sold merchandise and had some boards on display and all that kind of shit. Nice. Yeah. So out of all you thirty albums you guys made and it you know, all you know, under what record labels and like a couple different a couple of different record labels, but yeah. independents. Independent mostly. Yeah. yeah. We've never been on a major. Yeah. And that's just because you guys don't need to want don't, to control your own. Yeah, yeah. like like no if, pressure, not no, no, do yeah. your own thing. Exactly, we're in a major, and then if they don't like the record, they won't put it out, mm-hmm. and then you haven't fulfilled your contract because you you signed for like three records. If they don't like the second one, they yeah. they don't put it out. You can never get out of that label. Well, who's this? Is this another kid? The neighbors. What's up, Sharon? Hey, dudes, out. So. <laughs> That's Snoop Dogg. That's Snoop Elf, dude. Yeah. Um, and then you just came back from a trip in Australia, right? Yeah, I was in Australia. We played three shows, and then I spent a few days shaping afterwards, too. Sick. Oh, in Australia? Yeah. Oh, dude, killer. 15 boards hey, in two days. And mixing always, business with pleasure. We always love saying that. Mixing business <laughs> with pleasure. It was, I mean, it was a pleasure shaping the boards, but I, I thought I was going to stay for a week. It's, I was staying yeah. right in Byron Bay. Did you see that big swell that just hit like here and all that shit a couple days yeah. ago? Like it was just fight, like the whole super bank came together. Couldn't surf. Oh. I know. I missed the swell by one day. And then when I got there, I had more boards than I thought I had and less time to do it. I spent every fucking minute in a shaping bay. And what was the like orders you had there? Did you have them pre- like? I I pre-order like I got pre-orders going a couple months before and worked yeah. it all the way through. And then I thought I was going to stay there for a week. Yeah. And actually, I could only stay there for three days because I couldn't change my my airplane ticket. Who's this? Is this another one? Is another one? Jeez, a bunch of blonde kids. Yeah. You're a handsome devil. Thanks. Hey. It's uh, my middle That's guy. JJ. That's JJ. That's JJ Junior over there. Ah. Yeah. Polo at 6.30. Are you a water polo or horse yeah. polo? Water. I'd be rad if it was horse polo. Yeah. <laughs> We're good on time. I was just letting him know because they'll just disappear. I got a kind of an art question. Yeah. Could we pick this up at a, tomorrow? <laughs> does that fuck things up? Yeah. It yeah. does? No. Well, we got... I, actually, we got somebody tomorrow. We have somebody tomorrow. Yeah. Just, but you got a split? Yeah. Yeah. I just got to hurry the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, podcasts are kind of hard to like. Yeah, I, mean, I get in trouble all the time. Like, well, I didn't know it was going to be three or four hours. I'm like, uh, we, yeah, we, yeah. Know either. we never know how long it's going to be. I know, I know. I realized that. And then I was like, so, okay, 3 30. And then it's like almost 5 30. I'm like, oh shit, I got to get home. I got to feed the dogs. I got this guy fucking yelling at me to hurry the fuck up. No worries. Fuck, hold on, hold on. Let me get back to him. Yeah. So sorry, dude. I'll see you tomorrow, period. First thing. 
Fuck. I feel so bad right now. That is. Is he what? a customer for a board? No, it's, 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 I have this, this crunch board. Like, not crunch. I mean, I have a board that is on a serious time crunch. The guy needs it for by the Christmas. first. Christmas? Uh, the first week of January. And I fucked up on, I, I shipped him the wrong thing. And so this is a redo. And so I, I had another board cut. And, the, and I said, I'll be there at five. Because I thought this would go like 3.30 to 4.30. And right now I was like, "Who the fuck up?" It's you know, and I'm, it's it's at Foam Easy. It's it's yeah. it's at Aloha. Yeah. So I wouldn't. It would take me twenty minutes. I just saw a post from one of our friends at Shapes, and he's like, you know, posting, "Hey, first come, first serve." I, I effed up, and it was supposed to be in uh, PU or epoxy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he's like, "Yeah, I got it." You know, just that's pretty much what this was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah who's who's your friend? Uh, Tim Stamps. Yeah, I know Tim yeah. really well. Yeah. Like he's he's yeah. helped me out a lot. Nice. My wife like grew up with him, went to school and shit. Yeah, but it was funny because you know like I'll follow his Instagram and be like, oh, he's got I a, saw that too. He's got a couple, you know, a couple of gyms, you know, for sale. Yeah. And it's always like, yeah, you know. Yeah, like somebody didn't want it or you know, hey, I screwed up and put it. In, I think it was the wrong, like pu. It happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Laura and I have been riding his boards for a long time. Tim's yeah. a good guy, yeah. man. He's really fucking cool. Yeah. Um, is it oh, cool if, if we co- come get back to this? Does that yeah. mess things up? Yeah. We can we can launch it like we'll launch this, and then whenever we can connect. I mean, I, we could come back. I could come back like. I mean, you guys next could, week. Yeah. What do you have yeah. next week? I'm around. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, dude. I feel. I mean, I go to Mammoth next week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No I mean, worries. Oh, fuck! I feel bad. This. Dude, we don't care. Yeah. We got an hour and 33 well, minutes. Well, don't launch this. Like, like I mean, you can launch no, it. No, we're going to launch it. Oh, I was going to say, like, oh, then just do a part two kind yeah, of we'll deal. Yeah, do a part two. Have you guys done that before? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. I, I feel bad. I just, just we like. keep it loose, bro. <laughs> we hang loose. <laughs> this is us. It's just two dudes and a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, I feel really, really bad. Well, I'm so dude. sorry. Uh, so far, the story has been kind of crazy and amazing at the same time. Okay, um, we'll get into this. This is episode one with Eric Smelly Sandin. No effects. Yeah. Drummer, shaper, extraordinaire. Okay. Bonsai Bulls. Hands down the best bulls, period. Seven locations. Two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bulls. Go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You could also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade Shade Sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuax is the best 
ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Foo Wax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.